the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Today, on the last day of our camp here, as we are surrounded by this beautiful lake and beautiful pine trees, we finish this day perhaps with the consideration of the most important pillars of our life, the most uh, fundamental pillars, the three most fundamental pillars that make our entire life stand, and indeed that make the entire church stand. Just like you saw me setting up these cameras, you'll see that they are set up on tripods. And uh, if one of those tripod legs was missing, well, <laughs> the tripod would fall over, camera would fall over, and uh, nothing would work. And for us, the three pillars, the three legs of the tripod of our, of our life, of our, even of, you could say, of our very identity, the three tripods are expressed in today's passage from the Gospel of St. Matthew, when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and they got together to disconcert him and they asked him, Master, which is the greatest commandment of the law? So they're asking for one, one pillar, the greatest commandment, the most fundamental pillar. And Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first, the greatest and the first commandment. The second resembles it. You must love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang the law, the whole law, and the prophets also. The love of God. That is the most fundamental pillar. But the Lord doesn't just mention the love of God. He also remember, mentions the second that resembles it. You must love your neighbor as yourself. So perhaps we didn't pick up immediately on the third pillar. You must love God. You must love your neighbor. But you must also love yourself. That is the tripod of the love of God that will hold our life together. The love, to love your God with all your heart, all your mind, your neighbor, is that tripod of strength that must grow more and more throughout our life. And sometimes one of the legs of that tripod might be weaker, sometimes it might be our piety, the ability to pray, the ability to focus on God. Sometimes it might be the love of our neighbor. We get anxious, we get upset, we get bothered or annoyed by having to love the others. That tripod, that or rather that leg of that tripod might be weaker sometimes. 
And sometimes we have just trouble loving ourselves properly. Doesn't mean we have to be the center of the world or the universe, but sometimes we feel bad about ourselves. Uh, we we feel discouraged and disappointed. In a certain way, we are not loving ourselves properly, in a balanced and um, and harmonious way, together with the love of God, the love of neighbor, and love of ourselves. All the legs of this tripod need to be strong. Sometimes we have to reinforce one, sometimes we have to reinforce another. And, uh, you know, you take something like philanthropy. We hear about philanthropic endeavors. The people do great things, even heroic things, out of love of man or love of humanity. But that's only one of the legs. They'd be sometimes neglecting the others. To undertake philanthropic endeavors, of course, is a good thing. But if the other areas of love, our ability to love, are missing, the whole endeavor seems to seems to be to remain fragile. Or if we strive in our life just to be really to be a nice guy, to be likable, to be gentle, but never really make demands on the real good of others. The, to, you say you could say to love the good of the other as other. We don't go much further to strengthening the leg of that part of the tripod. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being a nice guy or having, as they say, a heart of gold. Bishop Barron mentions that you know, to be a nice guy is sometimes to be to have a heart of gold. Nothing wrong with being a nice guy. But it can easily achieve just a limited aspect of that love of God. You know, to, 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 to really truly love our neighbor, of course it is good to be friendly and kind. But we have to see, do I really seek the good as, as good for the other? That is, to want the best for the other. And then really going about doing something about it. And sometimes it can be very difficult. It can be tough as nails. It can be disagreeable for us to truly be patient with somebody, to be, to be always kind, or to seek to correct another out of love for God, out of love for neighbor, and in a certain way, out of love for ourselves. And so as we come to the end of this, uh, this wonderful camp here, caribou camp we ask the lord to to help us keep the legs of that tripod to keep our love for god to keep our love for neighbor and a proper love for ourselves to keep it always strong vibrant young youthful active alive that always our love of god is active that our love for others is is fresh and young that a proper love for self is is well balanced and we basically see how that love is going because it always needs to be refreshed it always needs to be uh, rejuvenated quite a few years ago there was a famous song 
that was sung together with Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand. So this is going back to the 70s, late 70s. And I always understood it to be a song by Barbara Streisand. The title of the song was, You Don't Bring Me Flowers Anymore. And both of them sang this song together on a recording, and they ended up winning a Grammy for this very, 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 very popular song. It was a song about a couple, a romantic song, but very, very, very sad. Because it was meant to tell the story of a couple, two lovers, that had drifted drifted apart bit by bit. And they ended up just kind of like going through the motions in their relationship. And it describes the heartache of this love that they originally had, but now begins to wither. Um, She says, you don't talk to me when you come through the door at the end of the day. You don't bring me flowers anymore. Like, like the original love that had been there between that couple has kind of withered like those flowers. Originally there was a version by Neil Diamond and Barbara Streisand together and, and then they decided to sing it at the Grammys and there was a famous scene where uh, they, they are singing a part like this and then as they go on they come closer and closer and if you looked into the audience people were you know the ladies especially were weeping because of the touching way in which they are looking into each other's eyes as they stood far apart they they progressively got closer and closer as to though this the words were sad it was to suggest that their love was somehow being refreshed of course they themselves were not in love, but it, the song certainly gave that impression. It's as though people, upon hearing that, a romantic song, I mean, it's a love song, so people wanted to refresh their love, put vitality into something that had been waning and weakening. Of course, it had a great uh, romantic appeal. Now, there's a beautiful passage in the Catechism of the Catholic Church uh, that talks about the extent to which we are called to that love, which is why we are called to sanctity, to a degree to which we ought to love God. What is the degree to which we ought to love God? And in the Catechism, it says, Christian perfection only has one limit, just one limit, that of not having any limits. And uh, there's no limits to our love for God. There's no limits to the degree to which we have to give ourselves. And it may occur to us we have done bad things, that we are busy, that we have lots of responsibilities, that we can get tired and we can get stressed and anxious. And that it is possible in our life just to... to, We manage to put ourselves into a kind of niche, an enclave with our comforts, with the things we like, our needs... And yet, the Lord, just like in that marriage, the marriage, the ostensible marriage between Neil Diamond and, and Barbara Streisand, like, it is as though God is always asking us for more. There's no limit in our vocation, whether one's vocation is to marriage, one's vocation is to apostolic celibacy. Whatever vocation one has, 
we are called to love God, to love others, and to be happy loving ourselves, but always giving of ourselves with no limits. And that implies our love for God is a friendship with Jesus, so that our prayer always has this newness, a newness perhaps in an aging world, so that the way we express our love in our prayer, the way we make a genuflection as a sign of piety is ever new, ever beautiful, that, you know, whatever our vocation is, whether it's to marriage or to any way in which we give ourselves, that love for God always has to grow. Like, we have to update our phones, uh, people update fashions, they watch the latest movie. This is one of the most uh, iconic quotes from St. Augustine that I remember reading years ago that touched me. I think it's from Book 10. I think it's Book 10, Chapter 10, or Paragraph 10, in his Confessions. How he describes his own uh, sort of adventurous process to, to begin to love God. Because he discovered God when he was relatively young, but he didn't he didn't immediately give himself over to God. It took time. He, he, he philosophized. He read about it. He had had adventures of all kinds. It took him time. And that in that paragraph, he says, Late have I loved you. O beauty, ever ancient, ever new, late have I loved you. You were within me, but I was outside. And it was there that I searched for you. Outside. In my unloveliness... I plunged into the lovely things which you created. You were with me, but I was not with you. Created things kept me from you. Yet, if they had not been in you, they would not have been at all. You called, you shouted, and you broke through my deafness. You flashed, you shone, and you dispelled my blindness. You breathed your fragrance on me. I drew in breath, and now I pant for you. I have tasted you. Now I hunger and thirst for more. You touched me, and now I burned for your peace. It's a, it's a beautiful poetic image how, how he wanted more and more. And for us uh, to maintain this growing up love for God young, the one thing we really have to hate, like the opposite of love is to hate, the one thing we really have to hate is, is sin. Because sin makes our eyes grow dull makes our soul cloudy. It makes the image of God blurry and difficult to identify. It makes, indeed, it makes sin, makes God and His love for us and our love for Him, it makes it unappealing and not worth struggling for. 
you know, Teresa of Avila said that what destroyed her progress originally was her carelessness in her struggle against sin. She said about venial sin, I paid little attention to venial sin, and that, she says, is what destroyed me. She sometimes blames a priest who gave her bad advice and stuff, but she didn't pay attention to the mercy of God, she said, that was kind of like hovering over her. But she at one point started the devotion of the way of the cross, and and that famous story where she one time saw a statue of our, our Lord Himself uh, represented in the Passion in one of those dramatic, probably it was a dramatic uh, Baroque uh, statue in the Counter-Reformation. I don't know who would have made this statue, but it was very dramatic and very powerful. And it really showed how our Lord suffered out of love for her. And she realized how much she hadn't corresponded to that love. And that made her break down. It made her fall there in front of this statue that she saw in a church or in a chapel there in Avila. And that is what rebooted her love at realizing the extent to which God, our Lord, Jesus himself had loved her. And that, that really changed her life. It completely, it was a moment, it was like a, a unique grace that she had received. And so she describes herself as having been lukewarm, a little bit like St. Augustine, Augustine. It took her time. I think she was almost 40 by the time she saw that statue. And so you and I, we have to be vigilant to make sure that that love of God is always fresh and young, youthful, vibrant, and therefore that our hatred for sin, even venial sin, is always present in our life. Hatred for sin. We must beware when our piety becomes kind of moldy or, or maybe superficial. When we are dry and uninterested in fraternity or our relationships with others. We just want to go into our room and check our phone. We're not interested or, or we don't seek or strive to interact with others. We can become lethargic in apostolic initiatives. We're just ready for the status quo. Just, well, yeah, I know that guy. and Yeah, I talk to him once in a while. But it's like the status quo. No seeking to do more. And if we're not struggling, if we're not making that effort to rise above ourselves, to serve, to love the Lord our God in piety, to show kindness and warmth and service to others, to, to accept our own default or defects, what happens? Well, kind of weird character faults begin to emerge. Vanity appears. Attachment to comfort. And the soul darkens and becomes kind of musty and moldy. What used to make us very enthusiastic, even just picking up the rosary and used to enthuse us, going to Mass, doing the visit of the Blessed Sacrament, now we think it's cold and pedantic. 
we find it difficult, at least this happens to a, a lukewarm soul, uh, to accept uh, humiliations. Humiliation, these are good ways to become more humble and therefore to grow in our love for God. And for us, those three pillars have to grow. But I would say that for those pillars to grow, there's one element that kind of brings it all together, and that is also love for the church. Love for the church. In some way, I suppose it's a combination of love for God and love for others, because there are human factors in the church. But the church, the body of Christ, is something very supernatural, and that we have to always maintain a supernatural gaze on the church, on the Holy Father, on everything that, that represents for us the church. And, uh, you know, St. Josemaria used to be moved very deeply just when he would say the creed and he would arrive, you know, I believe in God the Father, creator of heaven and earth and so forth, and then he would arrive at that passage that we also might skim through when it says, I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. He would just say, don't you, like, don't you want to pause savoring those words? Tasting its beauty? I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Savor that. To re-acknowledge the mystery that we are part of that beautiful mystery, the body of Christ, you know, why be moved at saying, I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church? Because God himself wanted to bring about a community of believers, a family that we could be part of on our way to salvation. We call it the mystical body of Christ. And you know, St. Josemaria considered the work or Opus Dei as, as just a part of that mystical body. We're just like a little little part. We call it a community, I suppose. The work, Opus Dei. It's not an order, it's not a movement, it's just a part of that thing that we love, which is the church. So, we want to love the church, we want to love the Holy Father, we're on our knees for her, we want to be ready to suffer for the church, all the things that we hear about in the church, whether it's vocations, whether it's any anything that happens to a church, we have to feel it our own. That is, we have to suffer with the church. Offer mortifications for the Holy Father. Pray for the intercessions that we have at Mass. Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? The Lord asks us now again, do you love me? In some ways he's also saying, do you love me in the church? Christ in the church? Remember, he said in St. Matthew, look, I'm with you until the end of the world. Until the end of the age. I'm, will be, I will be with you always. And that is to give us great courage and great daring. Keep going no matter what. Keep going in our love for God, our love for the others, and you know, a proper growth in knowledge of ourselves. 
what defects do I have to improve? Because the church, which we must love, is not, it's not a hotel for saints. But it's a hospital. It's a hospital for sinners. And we are those sinners that want to love the Lord our God, that want to love others. And we have our doctor that heals. And we have a mother too that, as St. Josemaria said so beautifully, the love of our mother will be the, will be the breath that kindles into a living flame the embers of virtue that are hidden, hidden in the ashes of your indifference. She's the love of God that breathes like we made that fire, like we, we breathe on the fire to give it oxygen so that it ignites. That's what our Blessed Mother will do as we finish this camp and we ask her to increase the love of God, the love of neighbor, and a proper love for ourselves as we seek to grow and improve as men of God. She will she'll be that breath that will enkindle in us the, the embers that are hidden under any indifference that may appear so that we too can say, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me.